Good morning, Crossroads. It is wonderful to see you this morning. Glad you're here in our Labor Day weekend service. And uh, listen, I just want to point something out. A couple weeks ago, uh, I, I wore the same outfit. And I got lots of people, not eight people, eight or nine people that came up to me and said, man, pastor, you look good today. Which made me think, what do I look like normally? Anyway, they said, you look nice today. Thanks for dressing up. And what was interesting to me was I wore the same outfit today and nobody said that two weeks ago today because I didn't tuck my shirt in. I told y'all two weeks ago, that's why. Anyway, I just had a proval point. See, tucking my shirt in doesn't agree with my eating habits. But anyway, uh, that's, uh, that was the deal on that one. Anyway, uh, we are starting a new series off called Go Big. I want to ask a question. Who begins their meals with prayer? Who here starts before you eat your meal? All right, quite a few of us. Uh, it might depend on how hungry you are, right? I mean, uh, that really is a factor. How many of you start your day with prayer? Quite a number of that's awesome. I pray that really the whole crux of the message today is that you and I would not attempt anything, anything before starting in prayer. Just how vital prayer is. It's like toothpaste. You don't want to go talking to somebody else before getting in some prayer, right? You don't want to have one of these conversations. Prayer is like a good mattress. You, want, you don't want to lay down for a good night's sleep without first prayer and have that peaceful sleep. Prayer is like your cell phone. You don't leave home without it. How many of you have gone to work or school and realized you don't have your phone and you've turned around and had to come back and get your phone because it was that important, right? Is that everybody? Only me. Okay, that's awesome. <laughs> the question becomes, how far will you go before you decide it's too far to turn around and get my phone? The real question is, have you ever got in your car and started driving somewhere and realized, man, I haven't prayed. And you turned around and went home to say, I can't leave my house without first praying. See, prayer ought to be like a blueprint for a builder or for a construction worker. That you don't attempt to build anything apart from the blueprint. You gotta have the blueprint first before you build anything. Whether that building is you're building a family or you're building a business or you're building a church or a ministry, that all the foundation that is laid in those things is prayer. I love this quote by Mark Batterson in his book. He says, in the grand scheme of God's story, there are footnotes and there are headlines. And the footnote is prayer. And the footnote of prayer, if you focus on the footnote, that God will write the headlines. Isn't that good? That, you, the story, that, that God's telling the story and that you and I don't have to write the headlines. God will write the headlines. But our part is be a people of prayer. This morning, we're starting a series called Go Big, and it's, and it's, uh, it's a, an evangelism strategy we're asking everyone in our church to be a part of, that every single person in our congregation would be engaged in reaching people for Jesus. And so we gave out these cards earlier in the year, and we asked you to do a few things. 
Um, and go means obviously to go talk to people, but the big stands for, it's an acronym. B means begin with prayer. I means be intentional and, and interact with people. And G stands for good news to share, right? And the very first part of that is that you and I, we would begin with prayer, that we would, be, would recognize that as God calls us to be influencers for him in this culture and in our world, that the very first thing we do is we pray. And so that's what we're going to look at this morning. And I think there's a beautiful picture of the importance of prayer in the life of Jesus. And it's going to be Matthew 17. I hope you'll follow along on the screens or in your Bible or on your phone. And, and it's, um, it's going to be starting in verse 14. But let me set the scene. Jesus had gone up on a mountainside with his, with his three disciples, Peter, James, and John. They were the inner circle, and the other nine disciples he left down in the valley where they were ministering to people, and they went up, and these three guys got to see Jesus, what's called transfigured before them, and the glory that he had before he came to this earth, Jesus showed with that same that they got to and the Father spoke to him, and there was this incredible moment on the mountaintop that they got to witness. And then they come back down the mountain, and it says this. It says, when they came to the crowd... A man approached Jesus and knelt before him. Lord, have mercy on my son, he said. He has seizures and is suffering greatly. He often falls into the fire or into the water. I brought him to your disciples, but they could not heal him. Maybe as you listen to that story, you picture yourself being the father, or maybe you picture yourself being the son, or, or maybe you picture yourself being one of those nine disciples. Could you imagine being one of those nine disciples that were, they were saying, hey, can you handle this, this problem for us? And they were unable to do so. I'm sure it was frustrating for them. I, I can relate to that. I don't know if you can relate to that, but I can relate to, to when there's times in our life where we've prayed and we've asked God for things and, and we just don't see him moving and nothing seems to be happening and we feel frustrated by that. Or, or there's times where you work up the courage or you work up the nerve and you, you bring up spiritual things or you bring up Jesus to somebody and, and they just don't respond. And you go, man, I, what did I do wrong? Or why, isn't, why didn't something change? Or sometimes as a pastor, the frustration I've known of, of people, you know, people in the church sometimes disagree with each other. I know that's hard to imagine, but they might disagree with one another. And so you try to lead them through a process of reconciliation where they'd work through the issue and, and be able to come out on the other side as friends again. And, and there's somebody in that process that decides it's easier to leave than it is to work through that process. It can be frustrating. It's frustrating. How about you? Do you have the same frustrations? It begs the question, I don't know if you thought about this, you have to wonder, wonder, why couldn't they heal this boy? Why didn't it work? In fact, they asked the same question of Jesus. Let's keep reading. He says this. Uh, first, Jesus says, you unbelieving and perverse generation, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy here to me. So Jesus rebukes the demon, and he came out of the boy, and he was healed at that moment. Pretty good news, right? Then the disciples came to Jesus in private and asked, here's the question, why couldn't we drive it out? Disciples wanted to know what you and I wanted to know. Why does it seem like sometimes we pray and pray and pray and nothing happens, or we work and work and work, and it just doesn't have the fruit we thought? And why, why, why? 
Let me just say this scenario, this situation, this boy was sick and it was caused by a demon, okay? And, that, and Jesus expels the demon and the boy is healed. And, and so in this case, this sickness, the root cause of the sickness was a demonic influence. And occasionally and sometimes that is the cause of sickness. But I do want to say that is not always the root of sickness, right? It, it was in this case. And he said, but what I want you to see is what he said to the disciples and to the people standing. He said, you unbelieving and perverse generation. Now, he, he really is slamming the disciples for their lack of faith that, that the boy could be healed. And, and the lack of faith was sinful. He said, unbelieving and perverse. It's almost like the, 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 the root cause and the result. Because you have lack of faith, that, that's actually sinful to me. You should know better. You should trust me by now. And the reason Jesus could say that is way back early in the ministry, he had already, listen to this, he had already given the disciples the authority to drive out demons. Mark chapter 3, when it says this, Mark chapter 3, uh, just listen to it, verses 13 through 15, said, Jesus went on a mountainside and he called those he wanted and they came to him. He was picking his disciples. It says, he appointed 12 that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach or go big and to have authority to drive out what? Demons. So the very beginning, when Jesus first called these 12 to him, he said, listen, I'm giving you the ability to do what I can do and that is to drive out demons. They already had the authority. Jesus had the authority and he gave it to them so they had the power to do it just like Jesus did. And just because Jesus was on the mountaintop when the disciples were in the valley trying to do his work, I believe that's the key on why they couldn't drive out. I think they really believe, well, Jesus isn't here because he isn't here and he's not standing by my side and it's his authority. And so I can't really do what he did without him standing next to me. In fact, I believe that's why Jesus said, how long shall I stay with you. He's really saying, do I, do I really have to stand by your side time and time again? Is there going to be a time where you have faith, even though you can't see me and touch me, that you're going to have faith to trust me? See, faith isn't faith if you have to see it first. He said, it's time for you to grow in your faith. I don't know about you, but I think sometimes we stop praying because we don't see tangible results when we pray. And we stop. And we don't see things moving in the pace we want them to move. And we don't see God working on our timeline. I believe that's why the nine disciples without Jesus stopped praying. They might have started praying, but at some point they stopped praying and they didn't see it through. I want you to know something. The only way you and I fail in life is when we stop praying. Do you believe that this morning? The only way you and I fail in life is if we stop praying it through. If you and I would be people with persistent prayer, with unfaith, faithful, with, without, I mean, with faithful prayer and unceasing prayer and persistent prayer and powerful prayer and on our knees prayer. And if the story had been when Jesus came back from the mountainside, the disciples were still praying over this boy, I believe there would have been a different ending to the story. And it's only when we stop praying that we fail. Prayer is a no-lose proposition. You realize that? It's a no-lose proposition. Because he says, I'll give you everything according to my will. 
Everything that God wants to accomplish, as we pray for it, it will happen as our Lord intends it to happen. You also realize 100% of the prayers you and I stop praying, God won't answer? Think about that. Faithful, persistent, unceasing, faith-filled prayers, what God is calling those disciples to and you and I as his followers to, that we would be a people of prayer. Because I want you to recognize something. The same Jesus that drove out a demon in a word is still alive today. The same Jesus who said, demon, it's time for you to go out of this little boy, and it is gone. That same Jesus is alive today, and he still has the power to, to, uh, to bring freedom and new life to those who are under bondage to certain things. He's the same Jesus who can deliver people from addiction. He's the same Jesus who can bring new life into a poor situation. He's the same Jesus that is alive today and has all the power that he demonstrated in that day today. He is the same Jesus who took a little boy's lunch and that he said, listen, I'm gonna, y'all sit down. I'm gonna feed thousands of you with this little boy's lunch. And that same Jesus is alive today. So you and I can trust him with our daily needs that yes, he's gonna provide and yes, he's gonna come through and yes, we'll be able to eat and yes, uh, our God is able because he's the same Jesus today. And you and I believe that this same Jesus rose from the dead that he conquered death, that he defeated sin, he defeated the work of the enemy that caused separation from the living God, that Jesus is the one that those who call on his name, that he is the power to turn their hearts back to the Father. And the power of Jesus to save people has not diminished in 2,000 years. He is still the God who saves those who call on his name, isn't he? See, God is still in the saving business. And Jesus can bring those who are dead in their transgressions and sins alive today. And he does that. If you're a Christ father, you know that because you're one of them. If you're a Christ father, you know the power of God to deliver you out of darkness and deliver you from oppression and bring you into new life and to bring you into freedom in Christ. You know that, but I just wonder, I just wonder how much more would we see that? How much more would God's hand be moving in our world today? How much more would his, his hand be moving in your family and in my family and in this church and in this community and in our world if we would be a people who faithfully act in prayer and not give up? and not get discouraged and really believe he's a God who can do anything. You know what faith, you know what uh, prayer is? Prayer is an act of faith. It's, it's literally an act of faith. It's saying, I believe God that you can do something about the current situation I'm in. God, prayer is God, I believe you have the power to change that heart. You have the power to change my heart. God, you have the power to restore relationships. God, you have the power to provide when I don't see a way out. God, you have all the power that is needed and I believe that. And by prayer, we are acting in faith to a holy God. In fact, let me just say it this way for your notes. Prayer is the evidence of a little faith in our big God. That's literally what prayer is. It's demonstrating and acting in faith to our big God. Now, why would I say a little faith? Remember the question we asked, why didn't it work? Why couldn't the disciples deliver them? And, and the disciples wanted to know the same thing. Well, Jesus answers them. He says, 
because you have so little faith. Truly, I tell you, if you have the faith of a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. You ever, you ever seen a mustard seed? I've asked a lot of people. Everyone's like, yeah, I've seen a mustard seed. Well, I'm, I guess I've just been in a cave or something. I have never held a mustard seed. So I went and I had uh, Megan get some of these for me. And I opened this thing. And I was shocked at how tiny they are. It's like the size of a period. I've never seen a seed this small. It's incredible. And Jesus is saying this tiny little seed. I, you, I can't even show it to you. It's between my chubby fingers here. And, uh, and I can't show you that thing. It's tiny. He says, if you have this much faith, if you believe I can change things this much, I can move mountains in your life. I can change things in your community that you never thought would change. I can change hearts that you never thought would be softened, that I'm uh, softened. I can be the God who can do things that are literally nothing is impossible if you'll just have this much faith. And prayer is just the evidence of, of this much faith in a really big God. So you and I don't have to bring a lot of faith to the table because we got a really big God. See, the reason it didn't, those disciples couldn't cast out that demon is because they didn't have enough faith. And the reason that things don't change for the better is because we're not praying in faith. And the reason that evil prevails in this world is that God's people don't have faith or at least enough faith to believe God that prayer really does change things. See, I think we can all agree, man, of course prayer changes things. But let me just ask you, this is what I've been asking myself. Does my practice of prayer prove that I believe that's true? Because if I'm praying like things really, God, prayer really does change things, that means I'm praying more than I'm acting. That means I'm praying more than wishing. That means I'm praying more than strategizing. That means I'm praying and I'm praying and I'm praying because it's God who changes the things that are really important. God's the one that can heal your family. God's the one that can heal those wounds you've been carrying for decades. God is the one who can deliver you from the darkness of sin into his glorious light. God is the one who can change this community. God is the one who can bring revival to a community that that would be unspeakably uh, awesome and, and like it would be different around here because God is in the hearts of more and more people. Does how we pray prove that we believe that prayer changes things? See, in the parallel account in Mark, um, Jesus makes the statement, this kind, this kind of demon can only come out by prayer. You know what he's saying? He didn't pray enough. I mean, you were on the right track. Yeah, you had the power to deliver this little boy from that demon. But the reason it didn't work is you weren't praying like you needed to pray. You didn't get the spiritual breakthrough in your life or this little boy's life because you didn't pray like you knew you could pray. And their lack of prayer was a detriment to their own growth. Their lack of prayer didn't bring a testimony to God in that community. And that prayer, the lack of prayer, think about it, meant that little boy suffering longer in his, in his weakened and, and terrible condition because they lacked the faith to keep praying. 
See, church, I want to say it really clear. If we don't pray like this, then we should have no expectations for God to do great things. I, I know that sounds really harsh. And I'm not saying we're not a church that prays because every time you fill out a connect card, we have elders and staff and other people in our prayer team and we pray over those things. It's good. We start every meeting here with prayer. We start every ministry here with prayer. We believe in the power of prayer. But I just wonder if we really became a praying church and a praying people and we prayed more together that the hand of God wouldn't move and we would see him do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. See, I see God doing great things in our church and I could sit here and list them. He's doing incredible things. And I'm amazed at the power of God among us, even though we're not praying like we could pray. And it makes me ask, what would happen if we really, really prayed? What would happen? So we have a prayer time every week, Thursday mornings in this room, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. I know that sounds early to some of you. Some of you are already on the road. And nobody shows up. I know because I'm here. And I just wonder what would it look like if we really prayed? Can you imagine what God wants to do in our community? How many little boys he wants to deliver from darkness? How many, how many fathers he wants to give peace to? How many families he wants to heal? How many people that are living in darkness he wants to deliver into light if his people will be faithful to pray? to pray with a little bit of faith to our big God. See, and if we want to go big, if, I don't know about you, but I, I didn't get mine out here, but I have my personal list. I've got people on this list that I'm praying for. And I, I don't know about you, I'm desperate to see some of those names come to know Jesus. That's a big deal. I couldn't enjoy a football game last night because they were heavy on my heart last night. That's, that's serious for me. <laughs> I don't know if you know the weight of that statement. You know, <clears throat> I started reading books by church leaders from like 100 years ago and 70 years ago and 80 years ago because I just, and I'm one of them, but I felt like all of us guys today all are saying the same thing. You know, I just kind of got tired of hearing the, reading the same book over and over. So I started reading books by older guys. You know what was a common practice in the church 100 years ago? 100 years ago isn't that long ago, is it? It really isn't in the grand scheme of things. 100 years ago in the church of Jesus, it would be very common for churches to have all-night prayer meetings. And people would sh actually show up. And they would call out to God for him to move, for him to change things, for him to work in their community and their families. And I'm humbled by that because I'm, one, I'm like you. I'm like, I'm not sure I'm up to that. But God says, if we will be people of prayer, I love his promise, nothing will be impossible for you. Nothing will be impossible for you.
Now, we've got to interpret that to understand. That doesn't mean anything's, anything's game and that prayer request you've longed to have that, that isn't really anything but selfish. That's not saying that. He's saying anything that's inside the will of God, everything that's inside of that will will be possible. In other words, as long as Jesus has given you authority for it, it's yours for the taking. So let's be clear. Jesus had all authority. Can we agree with that? Jesus has all authority. And he says, I'm going to give you some of my authority. And he gave special authority to the apostles, and they did some incredible things. And God has given some of his authority to government, like it or not. Uh, God has given some of his authority to church and the church leadership, like that or not. God has given some level of authority to parents to lead and guide their kids and grow them up in instruction and knowledge of the Lord. That's a good thing. But my question was, what is the authority that God has given to every single believer? And here's the list. It's pretty short. You might want to write these down. These are good. You have authority. Every believer has authority to build other people up. Um. You want to look it up, 2 Corinthians 10 8. You and I don't need a position. We don't need permission. We don't need a title to walk up to somebody and say, man, I'm thankful for your faithfulness and your service to our family and to our church. God, I thank you for uh, her faithful service to you. I just see you work, God, working in your life. And man, I've seen growth in your life. Like we, we, we have authority to give blessing and encouragement and to build each other up. That's one of them. The second thing we have authority is to overcome evil and demonic forces in this world. He says in 1 John 4, for greater is he that is in you that is he that is in the world. You and I don't have to fear evil forces as Christ lives in us. He is greater than anything we'll face in the spiritual realm because we have given, been given authority over those things. Somebody might want to say amen. He says, I've given you authority over sin that you are no longer slaves to sin. In fact, Romans 6 says, sin shall no longer be your master. It's a lie to think that I'm just going to live in sin until I get to heaven and to glory one day. Jesus said, no, I have given you authority to say no to sin, and you can live above sin and above all the things that you used to live in, and not that you'll be holy and perfect, but there'll be progress, and, and uh, one day when Christ comes, there'll be perfection. There's one more thing on the list. Matthew 28, he says, then Jesus came to him and said, he's about to leave this earth and ascend into heaven. He says, all authority, there's that word, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, therefore, Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I'll be with you always to the very end of the age. You and I have been given authority to go, there's our word, to go make disciples of all nations. We have been given permission, we have been given power, we've been given privilege, we've been given his presence. He said, I'm going to be with you. If you go and make disciples of all nations, I'm going to empower you. You have the authority to do so, that the mission of this church is to be and build disciples of Jesus. And the mission of your life, whether you realize it or not, is to be a follower of Jesus and help other people become followers of Jesus. That's what it means to be and build disciples. That's your authority. And so anytime you pray in accordance with that, anytime you pray, God, deliver me from this sin. God, anytime you pray, hey, God, give me victory over the, the forces of my life. God, anytime you pray, hey, God, uh, give me the strength to be a blessing to other people. Hey, God, give me the strength to go and make disciples. He's going to be with you, and you have the authority to do so in the name of Jesus Christ. And he says, don't just go, go big. Go big. 
You got all the power, all the authority. It reminded me of years ago. I mean, most of you have seen Gabriel up here singing, and she sings and leads songs for us from time to time. That's my wife. And, uh, but years ago when our church started, uh, for the first year, year and a half, she spent every Sunday in children's ministry watching people's kids as a volunteer because we didn't have anybody. God bless that woman. <laughs> God bless her. And then eventually she was, uh, didn't have to do that so much so she could sing on some Sundays. And so she began to sing, but she sang backup. Like she was like the, the harmony or whatever. She, was, you know, she wasn't the prominent one singing. She was just kind of filling in. And so then she was kind of challenged, like, hey, you got a good enough voice. You need to sing. You need to be leading songs. And so you're going to lead this song. And she was super scared about it because she's more of a shyer personality. And, and, and she was struggling in practice. It was a big moment in a song. And, and she needed to give it her all. And the drummer, uh, Jensen, years ago, he said, listen, Gabe, you either got to go big or go home. She got over her fear. Guys, can I tell you something? You've been given all authority in heaven and earth by the one who has all authority to go make disciples of all nations, to share your faith with people, to make a difference in this world. I wasn't going to share this story, but I was in Republic of Georgia this summer, and, and I'm talking with one of their leaders. It's actually, her name's Salome, and she's the first person in that church to ever get baptized in Sinai Church in Republic of Georgia in Tbilisi, where we have a partnership now. And she, um, she was asking me about our evangelism strategies in America, and I'm like, yeah, we do evangelism training like Contagious Christian. By the way, if you don't know how to share your faith, don't let that be a barrier. You need to sign up for that class coming up. Uh, we do trainings, and we do small group outreaches, and we do big events, and we do invite cards, and I'm telling her all the things we do. <clears throat> and I said, wouldn't it be easier if every Christian just led one person to Jesus? Just one. If there's two billion of us, then next year there'd be four billion. I said, Solomon, how many people did you lead to Jesus last year? She said, six. Six. And I said, what, where are they now? What, what, what's happening with them now? She said, well, five of them, I'm leading a Bible study, and I'm teaching them how to follow Jesus so that one day they can lead other people to Christ and they can teach other people how to follow Jesus. And I said, Salome, you just keep doing what you're doing over and over again until Jesus come back. You've got it. You know what it means to be and build disciples for Jesus. She's got it. See, we have Jesus' authority to reach hurting people. You and I have Jesus' authority to reach angry people, to reach ungodly people, to reach unchurched people, to reach skeptical people. You and I have his authority to reach all kinds of people. And he says nothing will be impossible. That means nobody is too far gone. Church, do you believe that today? Nobody is too far gone. God can save anyone, and you and I are called to believe that and act on that. And he wants people who will be willing to pray for his kingdom come and his will be done on earth as it is in heaven, and then to act on that faith and go and reach others. I just wonder how many fathers today are struggling because their kids are struggling.
and they've tried everything else. And what they really need is Jesus. And I wonder how many little boys or girls or moms or grandparents or single people or have looked in all kinds of places to fill the needs that they have inside or, or to find solutions to the problems they have and they, and they have a disconnect with God and, and they've tried everything else to, to meet that need and, and there's one thing they need and it's Jesus. How many of those people live in, in our community? Better question is how many of those people do you know or rub shoulders with day after day after day? So here's what I want to ask you. What are we going to do about it? If prayer is the evidence of a little bit of faith in a big God, I want to give you very clear uh, applications. If you and I could just grab a hold of a couple of these that we would act on. The first thing I'm going to challenge you to do is there, I didn't get them in this basket over here, but we have all kinds of these go big cards. I hope some of you took these, I think it was back in April, and began to pray over people that you know that need Jesus. Uh, if you haven't, you can come get one of those today. They're in the baskets here. Um, and that you'll, you'll write down some names and you'll faithfully to do that. My second challenge would be, hey, come on a Tuesday. I, I see some faces that have come once in a while, but, but that if you come for five minutes or you come for the whole two hours, I'm not gonna hold your hand in prayer. We're just gonna just pray quietly by ourselves and ask for God to change the lives of the people in our community. Uh, Lord, that you, that you would just come on a Tuesday or a Thursday between six and 8 a.m. and come pray. Thirdly, I'm going to ask some of you, maybe you're desperate to see somebody come to know Jesus. And you just want to take a few minutes this morning to get on your knees and pray for them. There's a few kneeling pads up here. You can come and you can just beg God to, for a spiritual breakthrough. Maybe you're going to just ask God, hey, make me a person of prayer or I'm going to be the person in their life that needs, uh, that needs to hear the good news from me. Or maybe... Maybe you've got a mountain that you need God to move. You've had a problem, a situation, an issue in your life. You've got a, something in your heart that God needs to deal with. There's been a mountain you know that God needs to move, and you just need to declare today, God, by faith, I'm going to believe that you can change that situation, and you're going to ask God to move that mountain. Maybe you want to come and pray for that thing as well. If you do one of those things, I'm going to ask you to do something. You're probably wondering why... There's baskets up here, and why in the world there's Easter eggs? Well, I realized I can't hand these out. <laughs> it's going to get messy quick. So you know what I did? I, we, put, we put mustard seeds in Easter eggs. You may not know this or not, but most Easter eggs have holes in them. So we also had to tape the holes in the Easter eggs. That's what I do with my weekend. How about y'all? life of Rod Zwemke. Anyway, if you want to make a, a, a commitment to the Lord to be a person of prayer and to trust God, I'm going to ask you to come take one of the eggs as a reminder, not as a maraca, as a reminder that I'm going to trust God and I'm going to trust God. I'm going to demonstrate it through my prayer. Lastly, Maybe you see yourself as that little boy or that father 
and you have looked for help, you've had a problem you've tried to find a solution to, and you've looked to other people, and you've looked to other solutions, but the reality is there's only one solution to your problem, and is that when, that you need to invite Jesus Christ into your life to repair this relationship with God that got broken through sin, that he is the only one that can fix your issues, and that Jesus can come in and push out the darkness and give you new life if you will turn from your sin and turn to Christ. Will you pray with me? Let's pray. Father, I just thank you. It's the same Jesus alive today of the Jesus we just read about. That, that pushing a demon out is small potatoes compared to the power it took to raise Jesus from the dead. And God, if you rose him from the dead, there is nothing you can't do. You have all power and authority at your fingertips. And Father, I wanna pray for the person in this room that they're just unsure about this relationship with you. I mean, sure, they've heard about you and they know about you, but maybe they've never invited you in for the forgiveness of their sins. Maybe they've never invited you in for new life. And the reason this other stuff isn't working is because that's the starting point you want them to start at. That's you, you're ready to turn your heart to Christ and, and to turn from your sin, believing that he rose from the dead, that he paid for your sins and rose from the dead to give you life. Would you just simply say, Jesus, I'm turning to you today. I'm tired of trying everything else. I'm turning to the one with all authority and power to forgive me, to accept me, to give me new life. And I'm putting my trust in you. Would you be my forgiver? Or would you be my leader? And God, I pray for your church. Some of us have given up on prayer. And there's things we've stopped praying. And today you're saying, don't stop. Don't give up on them. Don't give up on that situation. God, would you make us people of prayer? Would you make, a church, make us a church of prayer? God, that we gather to pray in such a profound way that this community is different and changed because we've been found faithful to pray that your kingdom come and your, earth be, your, yeah, your will be done on earth. Father, I pray for the person in this room that has a mountain that only you can move. God, would you give them the faith of a mustard seed? Would you give them a little bit of faith, God, that you are the one who changes things and where hope is alive. There's a God who's alive and you can change what seems unchangeable. Nothing is impossible for you. Father, now in our time of response, I just pray for your boldness, for your people to come and respond in prayer. As soon as the song begins, God, that your people would move and take action because a little bit of faith in our big God goes a long way. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.